Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you found the place where we talk horses. Today's show came about because of a suggestion by listener Cora Foster. Cora wrote to tell me about the Canadian horse and suggested I contact a retired history professor and former president of the Canadian Historical Association, Gail Cuthbert Brandt. One of her areas of expertise is Quebec history. She purchased her first Canadian horse in 2011. Over the past decade, Gail and her husband became breeders and currently have five Canadians. She is also currently secretary of Cheval Canadian Horse Association of Ontario. Welcome from Ontario, Canada, Gail Cuthbert Brandt. Good morning, Gail. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing very well, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my favorite passion, the Canadian horse. Oh, that's great. The show has a, a little bit of a history with Canadians on the show. We've had we've had many. We've had the great horse trainer uh, Jonathan Fields has been on the show a couple of times, and Bobby Kerr, the rodeo star, and uh, Jason Irwin, another trainer in Canada. So you're part of a kind of our Canadian segment of, of the Woe podcast. Well, that's a, an, an honor. Until Cora wrote me, I really did not know there was a Canadian horse. Can you give us a little bit of background? I would be delighted to do that. Uh, as a matter of fact, Many Canadians don't know there is such a thing as a Canadian horse. <laughs> Often when we're at shows or demonstrations, people will come up to us and say, so what kind of horse is that? And we'll say, it's the Canadian horse. And they said, yeah, well, born in Canada, but what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so we always have a lot of explaining to do, it seems. But the Canadian horse is the national horse of Canada. It was declared to be the national horse by the Parliament of Canada in 2002. It is also the national heritage breed of the province of Quebec, and they determined that in 1999. Hmm. But the horse has been intimately connected with Quebec since the days of New France. In 1663, Louis XIV declared Canada to be a royal colony and sent out a number of soldiers and colonists and two years later, he decided to, and his administration, to send the first horses because there were nobles, men in Canada, and of course they're called in French chevalier, which means they ride a horse. Mm. Well, you can imagine how upsetting it might be for somebody who thought of himself as, you know, upper class to be riding around the muddy streets of Quebec City in an ox cart. So, in 1665, the first shipment of horses arrived. They were chosen from Louis XIV's own royal stables. There were two stallions and 12 mares. And subsequent years, there were a number of other shipments between 1667 and 1671. And at that point, it was determined... The breeding program was so successful in New France that they didn't require any more horses to be imported because it was a highly centralized administration. So there was a government official called the intendant who, in a sense, 
he was the owner of the horses, and he loaned them out. So he would loan them out to religious orders. He would loan them out to soldiers. He would loan them out to the the colonists. Then once they got their own horses, they would be given and back to the royal official, and he would then send them off somewhere else. So it's estimated that by the end of the French colonial period, which came to an end in 1759 with the Battle of the Plains of Abraham in Quebec and the English took over, there were about 14,000 Canadian horses in in the province of Quebec, back and south. Because we have to, and I think this might remember, and I think this is important for your American listeners in particular, that the French regime encompassed much of what is now part of the United States. So they, you know, from Vermont and New York and uh, Illinois and even farther west, the French explorers got all the way out to, you know, the Dakotas. So they took their horses with them, and naturally some horses were left behind or whatever. So those horses then helped create the newer breeds that you would know in the United States, such as the Morgan, the American Saddlebred, the Tennessee Walking Horse, and the Standard Bred. Mm. All those breeds have Canadian lines in their uh, background. And they come from that royal blood of Louis XIV. From his horses, yes. Wow. And, and the French owned the Louisiana area because Jefferson purchased that, I think, from Napoleon, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did. So there are probably Canadian horses there as well. Wherever the explorers went and they used horses, they would have used uh, Le Cheval Canadien, as it was called. So after the British arrived, they really admired the Canadian horse for its strength, its endurance, and its good-natured quality. So they did a lot of crossbreeding. So that's also a a lot of Canadian horses were shipped south of the border. So uh, it became very fluid as to what was designated as a Morgan and what was designated as a Canadian horse. And how close are those horses back then to today's Canadian horse? They were probably smaller. Today's Canadian horse, the sort of the standard is 15 hands to 16 hands. That's normally the standard. They can be smaller. We have some that are in the, you know, 14-2 or whatever, like larger than a pony, but uh, they're a small draft horse. But when you go back to the 17th century and the colonists at that time, you know, it's all forest. There were no grassy fields to put the horses on, in, especially in the winter, so they just let them loose in the forest and they fended for themselves. So they became very strong, very tough, and robust, and that's why they're often referred to as le petit cheval de fer, which in French, which translates to the little iron horse. Mm, wow. I understand they're pretty easy keepers, too. Absolutely. They don't require a lot of feed. Most people don't give them anything other than a small supplement because they're just on hay and grass. They're very hardy. In the wintertime, we don't blanket them. They're out in the in the fields overnight. They grow very thick coats during the winter, and they love the snow. You know, they're, they love pulling sleighs and just being outside. You said that they were very instrumental in the history of Quebec. 
Was that just because of the development of that province or were there specific instances in battle or uh, things that the Canadian horse was pivotal in in making the way that Quebec came about? Well, I think they were pivotal in the sort of economic, cultural, and social sense. But also, yes, they did serve in wars during the battle between the French and British uh, at the Battle of the Plains of Abraham, for example. The French troops rode Canadian horses. You know, in terms of transportation, they were absolutely essential, especially in wintertime. And that's why we have all these famous paintings by Cornelius Kriegoff and others in the 19th century of the uh, so-called habitants, the French-Canadian farmers who were driving the sleighs to get to church, to get into town, to get their provisions and so on. So for transportation, because they were very strong and have a high degree of endurance, they could go for miles and miles. There are stories of them you know, competing with boats that were going down the St. Lawrence between Montreal and Quebec, and the Canadian horse, in some instances, would actually beat the boats. And they're still they're they're still known for that. You know, for their for their toughness and their endurance, their stamina. And uh, Paul Revere, I think, rode a Morgan horse. That horse was pretty famous. They wrote poems and songs about him. Was there a Canadian horse that is legendary? Uh, Well, there are a number of them just off the top of my head. I can't remember all of the names, but probably Paul Revere's horse was sired by a Canadian horse. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But yes, they were setting records on racetracks around, certainly around Quebec and Ontario in the late 19th century and early 20th century. They're known as very fast trotters. And even today, they're still ice racing in Quebec, in particular, like on the frozen lakes in Quebec. They have special carts made out of aluminum that are very lightweight, and they race. They put special shoes on the horses so they don't slip on the ice. And this is still a feature of Quebec life in the wintertime. Very cool. And of course, Quebec's the, the, Quebec's the biggest producer of maple syrup in the world. And they still traditionally use Canadian horses to collect the maple syrup. Oh, wow. Is the Canadian horse, are some of them gated? Not really. They have the traditional walk, trot, canter. Okay. They're not like an Icelandic pony, for example. And uh, they don't pace, if if that's what you're thinking of. Right, that's what I was. The thing I was kind of caught my interest too is that you mentioned that it's on the rare breed list but the canadian horse almost became extinct a couple of times since they were introduced that is correct the biggest challenge was first of all crossbreeding because the british as i said liked many of the um, traits of the canadian so they crossbred them with their own horses that they brought from from the united kingdom and then the American Civil War, thousands of Canadian horses were bought by the northern states to provide mounts for their cavalry and also to pull cannons and wagons for supplies. And, of course, they all basically died during as a result of, of that war. And even after the Civil War, Quebec Farmers were constantly being approached by American buyers to buy their best horses, take them south of the border. 
So it became a real crisis, and it was only in 1895 that finally the Canadian Horse Breeder Association was founded, and they established a new registry system. Mm. So under the uh, head veterinarian of Quebec, a man named uh, Mr. Couture, they went around the province and looked for the very best, what were left of the Canadian horses, and set a bunch of standards and then started to register horses. So by 1909, there were just under a 1,000 horses that had been accepted as foundation stock. That was only in Quebec. They didn't go any farther. Like They would have found a lot of Canadians in Vermont. They would have found a lot of Canadians in eastern Ontario along the Ottawa River. So there could have been more added to that registry, but because they focused only on Quebec, it was only a 1,000 that started. And so the federal government was approached to help conserve the Canadian breed, so they established a federal stud farm, in Quebec, and a second one in 1919. But during the Second World War, they decided to get out of the horse breeding business, so the Quebec government took over with a smaller breeding program. But that lasted only until 1981, when uh, Quebec government also withdrew its direct support, and all of the horses at its experimental farm were sold off to members of the Canadian Horse Breeders Association. So after that, it was up to private breeders to keep the breed alive. Hmm. In the late 1970s, it was estimated there were only 400 Canadian horses wow. still in existence. When I was reading some of the history about that breeding program that was started, the first part of that, or the reason was, they wanted to breed a heavier, more muscled Canadian horse for the war efforts to pull the artillery around. And then after the war, they were kind of breeding for a much finer, more refined horse. Did I follow that along in the correct way? You did, because the federal program and the Quebec program initially, they were trying to also have a larger horse to compete with the Belgians, the Percherons, and the Clydesdales, because Quebec farmers were starting to think these heavier draft horses, you know, were more attractive. Mm-hmm. But then with mechanization of Canadian farms after World War II in particular, you know, the tractors started to appear. So the bigger agricultural drafts fell out of favor, and that's when people wanted a more refined horse. Right. More for sport and pleasure. Yeah, right. And then they also they didn't need a big horse that would eat so much too, right? And take Yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it's got to say a lot for the temperament of the Canadian horse that they were used in war, I think, to be able to carry artillery and to be on the battlefield. That's got to talk a lot about the calmness of the horse. Yes, they are renowned for that. Uh, in addition, they served in the Boer War in South Africa, where the British mounts had a hard time coping with the heat and the drought and so on. The tough little Canadian horse persevered, and they were also many were shipped to France during World War One, and were used with by the British and Canadian cavalries in the First World War. So yes, they do have that reputation. It's interesting because it almost seems like they are 
full of contradictions because they're known to be gentle. They're known to be spirited at the same time. So you've got that combination of kind of docility, and yet they can be very uh, animated at the same time. They're very loyal, and I think a lot of trainers find that if they take somebody else's Canadian and try to train it, it's going to give them probably more problems in the sense of they're complex animals because they're so loyal. So it takes a while to build up that bond with a Canadian horse. But once you've established that bond, like they are going to be yours forever. I was I was thinking about that as I was reading about the horse, and I wondered how long a trait could carry on in a horse. 350 years ago, Louis Fourteenth had these horses in his private stable. They were probably taken the best care of of any horse of that time. And I don't know if pampered is the right word, but they developed that loyalty then. Do you think that that genetic trait could be maintained throughout the many generations that it, that we see that same characteristic today? Well, I'm not a geneticist, so <laughs> I'm probably out of my field here. However, when they've done studies of the Canadian horse at different universities, they've come to the conclusion that it is the purest North American breed. And uh, so one would think, although the physical dimensions have varied over time, I think a lot of those characteristics that it exhibited in the 17th century, because you can go back and read French historians who went to Canada as observers, and what they write about the Canadian horse and what it was like then is the same way we describe it today. Mm. So, yes, it's maintained a lot of its original traits. Fascinating. And what disciplines is the Canadian horse used today? I would say if there's an equine discipline that exists, you can use a Canadian for it. They excel in most equestrian disciplines, and that includes English hunter, jumper, dressage, western dressage and gaming, combined and pleasure driving, marathon driving, endurance riding, ice racing, and even cow cutting. They're also still used on farms to haul logs and to, some people still use them in their fields uh, to do farm work. So they basically are known as an extremely versatile horse. Yeah, wow. And it it's really sounds like they're just a very nice all-around horse, an easy keeper, which we all exactly. kind of appreciate. You know, yeah. as a, a recreational horse, they're probably great too because you can build that rapport with a Canadian horse. Yeah. And the other thing is that they're a nice size. Um, I mean, because we've got the range from over 14 hands to 16 hands, you can find a Canadian that kind of fits you. I only started horseback riding when I turned 65. I'd Hmm. never taken any lessons or anything. I took lessons, and I just, you know, found that the Canadian horse was perfect because of that docility, dependability. They're, They're just very intelligent I have certainly not regretted my involvement with the Canadian horse. You have five now? Yes. And then do you breed and sell those, the offspring? Well, we were breeding. We're a small breeder. I think over the course of the 10 years that we've had Canadians, we've had three colts and one filly. 
we haven't bred for the last year, and so we are actually in the process of uh, scaling back a bit. It's really exciting because there are other young breeders that are coming along, and especially here in Ontario, it used to be very, we were about the only, there were only one other breeder in southwestern Ontario, and now there are, you know, four or five. Well, and the breed has made a comeback, even though it's on the rare breed? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just very slowly. I mean, it really has gone down in, since 2008 with the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to have hit all aspects of the horse world, and the Canadian horse was no exception. It's really hard to get any uh, concrete figures because somebody will tell you that there are maybe 4,000 Canadians on the registry. There are actually more on the registry, but when they recently did a census outside Quebec, they found that there were only 1,331 that they could confirm that were still alive because they couldn't reach owners. You know, the horse changes hands and they're kind of lost. So they could still be on the registry. So you could see thousands of horses. Like in 2010, it was estimated there were around 7,000. But definitely the numbers have gone down since then. And the telling fact is that the number of registrations per year has is only in the last year started to go up, and it's still only just over 200 per year of new foals and being registered. So that is very concerning because the breed is from the, say, maybe when they had 7,000, back in 2010, a lot of those horses would either now be deceased or, you know, beyond breeding age. Mm-hmm. So it is still a major concern. Do you think there's a reason for that? I think it's partly because people don't know the Canadian horse. So that's what our associations are trying desperately to do through taking part in local fairs and putting on demonstrations, also having our own Canadian horse shows that we are trying to reach out to the horse world. I mean, I think urbanization, you know, people are far removed from farm life. Horses are expensive, so younger people find it difficult to get into buying, purchasing a horse and maintaining a horse. A number of uh, factors, I think, that create this challenge. Can you find breeders of Canadian horses in the United States? Oh, yes. There are some very good breeders in the U.S., uh, particularly in sort of the, the eastern states of the U.S., like New York, Vermont, those areas. But I know that we've been there been notices on our Facebook pages of some of Canadian horses going down to Kentucky and Louisiana and so on. So they are getting better known. And just recently saw something, there was a big show, a horse show in California, and Canadians from Oregon and from California took part and were very successful at that show. Oh, very good. You know, what attracts me to the, the temperament, the trainability, the personality of the horse is really something that if you can find that consistently in a breed, I think that's very attractive to when someone's looking to buy a horse. Yeah, the registered breeds, you get that a little bit more consistency. I think that's true. And also, they're very strict in terms of the registration. Like, all the horses have to be dna to ensure that they are you know, purebred Canadian, they're all microchipped. There's a whole protocol for registration. 
Uh, it's interesting that, and maybe I know that perhaps other breeds do this, but in the Canadian horse world, you kind of know the age of the horse by its last name because there are three components to when you go to register a Canadian. The first is the name of the herd or the, the name of the farm or whatever where the horse was bred. The second name is the name of the stallion that was used in the breeding. And the third name has to conform to the year. So our last filly, for example, was born two years ago, and that year all Canadian horses had to be that were, wanted to be registered, their name had to start with an I. So she is Heronwood's Hugo Iona. <laughs> That's a very clever way of doing it. That, that way you know yeah. which, which year it's born. What? Uh, <laughs> wonder what's going to happen when you get to X. <laughs> oh, they, they did. They still, they did X. Oh, they still, did? There is Zyra. Yeah, they did. So there were a lot of Zaras and Zyras and Xerxes and so on. <laughs> That's fascinating. But it's a very yeah. clever way. That way you know that because by the time a horse is 26, which is the letters in the alphabet, it's out of, it's out, it's Zyder, very old. newborn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, well, this has been fascinating learning about the Canadian horse scale. I really appreciate you sharing your information. Are there any other things you would like our audience to know and maybe stories of the Canadian horse, a, a famous one that you could tell? Well, the other thing I wanted to just share is that although the predominant color is black, there are a variety of colors of Canadians. So there are bays, there are chestnuts, there are even Palomino or Cromello, as they're called. Mm-hmm. So they're more rare, but you can find that. At our recent Ontario horse show, there was the one of the stallions that got the top prize was actually a Palomino. Wow. So That's if you don't cool. like black, if you don't like black, <laughs> you can still... You can still buy a Canadian. I uh, I have a, there's a feral herd nearby that rumored to have been uh, Morgan horses. They ran a lot of cattle in California and there was a big Morgan horse breeder by the name of Roland Hill, I believe, that bred Morgans. And some of those horses got out and they formed a feral herd. And six years ago, I got one of these horses and did a Mustang makeover-like thing with him. His name is Scratch. He's all black, and he has many of the characteristics of the Canadian horse that you described. And I wonder about his genetics, because he's got that personality. He can be very calm, but he can also be very spirited at times. So it's uh, I'm kind of partial to black horses. I, I think that's probably what I was getting around to anyway. Yeah, well, one of the most famous horses, I guess, in the 19th century was a horse named uh, Brion, brilliant in English. Uh-huh. And he was uh, recorded as uh, one of the top trotting horses in the area of Montreal in the 1870s. And he, he trotted the mile in two minutes and 20 seconds. Now, that's not fast by today's standards, but back then, you know, given the kind of condition of the tracks they would have had. Right. And in 1896, he won champion stallion at the provincial exhibition. And nearly every horse, even today, is descended in some way from this horse. 
Oh, very it was, cool. Uh, yeah. That's the other thing about the uh, kind of a smaller registry is that you really have a few strong lines that you can choose from depending on the use that you feel you might have for that horse. That's right. Well, again, this has been fascinating. I want okay. to thank you so much for for being on the show. I'll have links to more information about the Canadian horse and wolfpodcast.com. If people want to get a hold of you or learn more about the Canadian horse, can you suggest places for them to go? Well, they could go to um, our website, which will be included in the links I send you. They could also, I encourage them to contact me through the Canadian Association for Ontario. And again, that will be on the links page. Okay, that sounds great. Well, I really appreciate you giving time on your podcast to uh, explore the history of the Canadian horse and talk about its characteristics and hopefully uh, working together across the border between the Americans who are working very hard on increasing the number of Canadians and those of us north of the border that we will be able to ensure the future of this really remarkable breed. I'd love to see that. Thanks so much. Okay, you're welcome. That will do it for this episode. Thanks to Gail Cuthbert Brandt for sharing her knowledge and experience as an expert in Canadian history and as a horse breeder. Her love of the Canadian horse is infectious. Also, thanks to Cora Foster for suggesting the Canadian horse as a topic. I wouldn't have known it even existed. Thanks for listening and reaching out, Cora. On a side note, by the time this airs, Renee will have returned from the Calgary Stampede. I've sent a recorder with her. We'll see what she comes back with. If you have any show ideas or suggestions for future guests, reach out to me. Email john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Woe Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.